Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The Volume. Just a reminder, you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is a new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure you follow me at John Middlecoff to get notified when I go live. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast. Hopefully everyone's having a beautiful day. Tuesday, if you're listening to this, maybe Wednesday, I don't know. Podcast, you can listen to whatever you want. Uh, I'm reacting today to some breaking news. Jonathan Taylor allowed to seek a trade. Good luck there, buddy. Uh, we will dive into the variables there. Why we got here and is any team going to trade a lot and then pay a running back? I think most of you know where I stand, but we will dive into all the different angles. Some thoughts on Brady. Them honoring him week one for the Patriots. I got a little theory on that one, and I'm coming around on the New York Giants. I really am. I think they got a chance to be pretty good, as well as some thoughts on the uh, the quarterbacks here in college. I think it's going to be a big year for college quarterbacks. College football season, Notre Dame plays this weekend, as well as USC, who obviously has Caleb Williams. So uh, buckle up because Saturdays we're gonna football is just here to stay now. Thank you, Jesus. Make sure you subscribe to the pod if you listen through Collins' feed. Three and out. Greatly appreciate everyone that has all of our contents on YouTube as well as uh, we got merch on thevolume.com. Thevolume.com. Go check that out. Go get yourself a flex fit hat. I was wearing one earlier today. They look fantastic. And the game plan is this week. I had a podcast yesterday. This podcast, I will go on Collins Wednesday, and then I think I'm going to have a couple more podcasts uh, on Thursday and Friday. So we'll just keep turning them out, as well as we have the mailbag today. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the show. And we'll probably do another one later this week as well. So at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. DMs wide open. Fire in those DMs and get your question answered on the show. Very easy to interact with us here on the podcast. And uh, it's football season, so let's talk some football. First, can I tell you about the favorite app that is in my phone? It's the Game Time app, the official ticketing app of this podcast. I know a lot of you listening have gone to either a sporting event, a concert, or a comedy show because of this app and with our promo code John and got $20 off when you went. If you're listening to this right now and you want to get out of the house this weekend or this fall and you want to go do something, go to a football game, go to a a playoff baseball game. You live in Atlanta, you want to watch the Braves win the World Series, do it on me. You want to go watch? I went to Morgan Wallen. He's fantastic. Highly recommended. He's going all around the country. You want to go to a concert? Whatever music you listen to, do it on me. Promo code John. Download that app. Search any event you want to go to, concert or game. 
take a son, take a daughter, take your dad, take your friend, do just have a good time and do it with a $20 discount. Promo code John cannot recommend them enough. Uh, everyone that's used them greatly appreciate it. And, and you should too. If you're thinking about it, do it and do it now. Promo code John. Let's get into the Jonathan Taylor situation. Now, overall, I think this is very understandable. Anytime emotion gets involved with our professional life, which typically revolves around money, things get distorted and distorted fast. And we've all been in a position, if you've ever worked for somebody, I don't care if you're 23 years old or if you're 48 years old, where you felt you were undervalued. And when I say undervalued, I don't mean you're not getting emailed enough, right? You're not in the loop enough. You're not being paid enough. You think the work you're doing is not being valued enough in your compensation. In the private sector, that's the way we equate our worth, right? How much we're being paid. And the moment we think we're underpaid, we can get emotional. We're all human beings. It's understandable. And on the other side, when you think you're paying enough and not getting the results, you can think that person's screwing you. Or there are people listening right now that own businesses, big and small, that know God. I'm really getting away with one, paying someone 100 k when he's easily worth $500,000 to me. It's no different in the NFL. It's why these running backs where if we rewind the situation, now that Jonathan Taylor has officially been allowed to seek a trade, I think there are a lot of angles here. First and foremost, I, I completely understand why we're here. That phone call directly impacted this human being. It made him think, I am getting royally screwed. And after that phone call, after previously a couple months before, during the offseason, he said, not only did I sign this contract, we'll play this out and it'll all figure itself out. He's a great player. He's everything you want when you are an NFL GM and you make a draft pick, high character, stud on the field. He's awesome. Like he, I, I've loved Jonathan Taylor since he was in college. In his first two years, he lived up to that billing. Then he gets hurt. It's the NFL. People get banged up. But the moment he went on that Zoom call, it felt like him specifically, like, I'm getting screwed. I don't see Christian McCaffrey bitching and moaning. I don't see Derrick Henry causing a problem. Hell, Saquon Barkley immediately signed his franchise tender. The only guy left with Jonathan Taylor is Josh Jacobs, who's nowhere to be found. But then Jim Irsay, who I've said it forever, like created this situation, at least poured kerosene on the fire and made this situation much, much worse. Now, if he had kept his mouth shut and never said the comment, which was factually correct, that if he died, no one would notice. And if Jonathan Taylor was out of the league, the league would keep on churning. He's 100% right. What he said was a fact. Tom Brady, the most accomplished NFL player ever, I'd argue the most famous football player of all time, literally just retired, will not play, we think, this upcoming season and beyond, and no one cares. Not a soul. It'll do historic ratings this year. More money will be bet on the NFL than ever before. All the good teams will charge more money for their tickets on the secondary market than ever. It's going to be an incredibly highly consumed NFL season. And Tom Brady's long gone and no one cares. But the fact is that Jonathan Taylor thinks he's getting screwed. And Jim Irsay made this whole situation worse. Now, would they have been here if he had kept his mouth shut? I don't know. As someone in the league texted me, 
Jonathan Taylor got a new agent. This agent, who actually is Darius Leonard's agent, who's you know a, a guy on the Colts who's been extended, the way it was described to me, he's not afraid to mix shit up. He'll get in the mud, which if I was a player or if I'm anyone being represented by an agent, hell, if the person's representing me buying a home, I want that person to have not only my best interest, but will do whatever it takes to get the best deal possible. It's literally why you're paying them. But this situation, you can, the Colts go, okay, seek a trade. What the fuck do we think is going to happen now? Who in the NFL, and by all reports, they want a first round pick. Don't blame them. He's arguably their best player. Who's trading a first-round pick? Newsflash, nobody. Okay, they need enough picks that would equal that. Okay, let's say two twos. Who is trading two twos for a running back who also wants, let's just pick a number, $40, $45 million guaranteed? So wait, I have to trade a pick. And listen, the market's has spoken on all these other players. You want Khalil Mack? Two, this is four years ago. Multiple ones, $90 million guaranteed. You want Tyreek Hill, you want Devontae Adams, a one, a two, and $70 million guaranteed. You want Jalen Ramsey, a one, a one, a two, and an enormous contract for Jalen. So when elite players are on the open market at other positions, they get ones, they get 70, 80, $90 million. Money picks are flowing around. Even Jamal Adams, which we could rewind as a pick, a trade that the Seattle would like over again, multiple ones, and they paid him. Does anybody with a working brain that follows the NFL think a team is going to make a big trade and then pay Jonathan Taylor? I have a hard time. I'm not saying it's inconceivable. I don't see it happening. And texting around people inside the league, all of them said, this will blow over. Cooler heads will prevail. Part of it is because they're not going to get any good offers. Remember, over the offseason, Austin Eckler, who has been extremely productive. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure the stat is he leads the league in touchdowns the last couple of years. Thinks he's underpaid. And just based on the touchdowns, probably is. Makes a little under $7 million. They're like, Austin, seek a trade. Find uh, uh, somewhere else that you can do will trade for you and then pay for you. No one did. Nobody. Because his value, $7 million, most people in the league are like, wait, you want me to give like a second round pick? And then you want me to give you like $30, $40 million? That's not happening. Not at this position. And this gets back to the running backs. They all bitched. They all moaned. The people leading the charge were all super rich. Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, even Saquon realized, pretty good deal. Might as well sign up and go back. And he did. And then you get Jonathan Taylor, who has been had zero issues until now, thinks he's greatly underpaid. No one else is going to pay you, especially when I have to factor in, give either multiple picks or a first round pick. I just don't see it happening because it will not happen. And it gets back to every single year, guys, in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and undrafted free agents don't just make teams. They start for teams. They contribute to teams. Help. They're the starting running back for a team that wins the Super Bowl. Isaiah Pacheco. I'm watching the Cowboys. Deuce Vaughn. Going to make the team. What round was he picked? The sixth. You can find good players at that position all over the place in a, in a draft. And that works against Jonathan Taylor. So when people go, where's he going to go? Everyone I've talked to don't think he's going to go anywhere.
because who is going to pull the trigger? Now, if Jonathan Taylor was DeForest Buckner, then we'd have a different conversation. If Jonathan Taylor was a, you know, an offensive tackle who was viewed as really good, young 24-year-old, we'd have a different conversation. But he's a running back. And we just keep beating a dead horse on this over and over and over again. So while Jim Ursay opened his mouth and made this situation worse, he was not wrong. Because running backs are so replaceable. And this is why I think the Colts are like, listen, Jonathan, I, I don't know what's been going on. I know last week he had a excused absence, but before, are you injured? Your ankle, pup, what the fuck is happening? You have been, you've had no issues your entire career, college or pro. And now this one Zoom call, this one new agent, now you're acting, you know, like you're getting royally screwed when no one else would pay you. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, someone has traded and broken them off. I have a hard time seeing it. I actually don't think it's going to happen because teams over and over beside Jerry Jones, who immediately think about the last two major uh, contracts at, at running back, Todd Gurley and Zeke, they were signed pretty early. Both teams immediately regretted it. Say what you want about the Carolina Panthers and Christian McCaffrey. They were able to offload them for a second, a third and a fourth, right? And have someone take back that contract. That, that could not be said about Zeke. Definitely could not have said about uh, Todd Gurley. So this this situation is just, everyone's got to take a deep breath, which is understandable. Anytime money gets involved with alpha males in competitive industries, people get hot and bothered. I've been there. You've been there. We've all thought we were getting screwed. And whoever we've worked for have probably been mad at us. And over time, if you both value each other, if you both respect each other, everyone will just take a deep breath and come to the table and figure it out. Now, big picture, are the Colts ever going to break him off? I don't know. Maybe not. But we've seen these situations before where people get mad at each other in pro sports and then you just ride it out and everything is okay. But what's Jonathan Taylor going to do? Refuse to play and just have his contract told and he'd be no closer to free agency? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, just argue with Jim Mersey every day. That doesn't make sense. Now, there's a hard one for the Colts. If he is willing to kind of do what he's been doing, do you want your rookie coach, who I, I've said it all the time, this is why head coaches make so much money. Because when Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, if the equivalent of this would have happened, would not have been his problem at all. This would have been on Howie Roseman and Sirianni. And he would be like, just deal with the next running back up, man. You're the coordinator, just call the place. But when you're the head coach, all the problems land on your desk. Even this situation, this, honestly, he kind of inherited and had nothing to do with. And if anything, Jonathan Taylor would be perfect probably for his offense with this young quarterback. But this is where the tough the situation gets tough, right? If he is really going to be create a problem, do you want him around your young, raw quarterback? Probably not. But you're not just going to give him away for nothing. Right. And then the team, let's just say they would be like, okay, we'll just get him out of the building, give us a couple threes. Well, if I just trade for him, then do I have to pay him as well? Like, would he play for me under the same contract? Or does he mandate that I give him the 45 plus million dollars or whatever the guaranteed is that he wants? Right. So th the situation's ugly, but as most feel in the league, and, and I would tend to agree, deep breaths, everything will be figured out, and Jonathan Taylor will remain a cult. If you're a Patriot fan, you probably knew this was happening. And I probably, 
I guess, saw the headline back when it was first announced. But I, I saw it yesterday or today because Bill Belichick was talking about Tom Brady and they are not just honoring Brady. I guess they're retiring his jersey, right? Week one against the Philadelphia Eagles. And it kind of was like, that's a little weird. I understand he's the greatest player in franchise history. He's the greatest player, most accomplished player in NFL history. But he's been retired for 10 minutes. Wouldn't you, like, if you and me were running a team, the one game where even if we're going to suck, let's just say the Patriots have a terrible season, and for them, six, seven wins would be a disaster. Probably Belichick would get fired. But the last game that we would need anything extra, even with Tom, he, Tom could come with Bob Kraft or whatever, but would you retire his jersey that game? It's week one. Every single team in the league is not just alive, but has hope, and you think you could be good. The fans are excited. Real football. You don't need any the Tom Brady retirement jersey week one. I could look through the schedule. To me, the easiest thing would be Whoever the worst team on paper you're playing, that would make the most sense because you never know if you're bad, maybe mid to late in the season, depending on how it's going. So I started thinking, why would they do this? Is it just strictly they love Tom? Obviously, they do. He's meant everything to their franchise. Obviously, he has. But is it pretty normal to do it week one? I've been around sports now professionally my entire adult life. And when I worked in radio, I was around all... NBA, the Major League Baseball, and obviously the NFL. And a lot of times this type of stuff happened, whether it's something to do with Dwight Clark or Joe Montana or Steve Young, whether it's something to do with the San Francisco Giants who do something every single night of the year. Usually you save stuff like this to like a week where you might need a little oomph, where you might need a little kick in the ass, where you might need a little, you know, let's wake up to the fan base, where you might need to kind of light a little fire under them. Not week one. Where I don't care if you're a Texans fan, whether you are an Arizona Cardinal fan, week one's cool. I'm excited for that game, regardless who we're playing and regardless anything that's happening at halftime. It doesn't make any sense to me. And then I thought, like, is there a chance that Robert Kraft is doing everything humanly possible, trying to talk Tom Brady into, hey, Tom, if this doesn't go well with Bill, you want to be John Elway for my team? Do you want to just be the boss? Because if this season goes poorly for Bill and they fired him, he also is the GM. Like they don't have, they wouldn't have anything. They wouldn't have a head coach, wouldn't have a personnel guy. They, they'd have nothing. He is really the last lone grand poobah of a franchise, right? Mo every team, right? John Snyder, Pete Carroll, Brett Veach, Andy Reid. Or if you fired one or one retired, you have the other, right? Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. Less need, or Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch. Less need, Sean McVay. You go around. Belichick is very unique. He's in charge of both. Now, some of those coaches I listed technically have decision-making power, but you know what I mean. That There is no GM for Belichick. Is there a chance that Robert knew, I need to go all in? Because if this doesn't go well, who's Robert Kraft going to hire to be his GM? Wouldn't it make a lot of sense to Tom? What's Fox paying you? I'll pay you $5 million more a year. You can just be, create your own role. President slash GM slash whatever the fuck you want to be, you're in charge. You hire the coach, you hire the GM, you hang with me, you're in charge of our football operations. We just saw John Elway do it, and, and I know it ended poorly, but he won a Super Bowl, landed Peyton Manning. 
I actually think it would work pretty seamlessly if Tom wanted to do it. But you need the, you know, I I just do not understand why. And listen, Patriot fans are like, Middlecoff, you're reaching here. Why would you do it week one? It just, it, this is a marketing, it's all just an unveiling. You don't need it week one. Of all the weeks to get the fans riled up, to get your team riled up, it's irrelevant. Everyone is excited. Me, you, the players, the coaches, the executives, you name it. Anyone that falls football, week one, we're all in. We might start, depending on who we are, start changing our tune by week two, but not week one. So I'm telling you, I got this one flagged. I wonder if Bob Kraft, if this season goes poorly, he would offer it all to Tom. Tom, how much would you cost? $30 million a year to be just in charge of my entire team? You create your own role. Elway meets whatever. Howie Roseman meets the president of the franchise. You do it. You run it. You're the boss. I think it's on the table, at least from Robert Kraft's standpoint. I don't know if Tom would do it, but if I was Robert Kraft, that's who I'd be looking at. That's who I'd want. If I'm going to get rid of Bill Belichick, I can't just hire Gerard Mayo and have some random GM and think like this is going to work because it won't. It'd be, it'd be ugly and it'd be ugly fast. But if you had Tom and Mayo and then some other assistant to run your GM, I think fans would get behind that pretty quickly. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Uh, One team I've really changed my tune on, because two things I really value that every human with a brain values is coach and quarterback. And I'm not acting like Daniel Jones is some star. I thought it was crazy when he was drafted. And I'll never forget one of my good buddies that does the SEC really liked him. And he's like, I'm, I'm telling you, I think he could be a better version of Alex Smith. And obviously his career was very, very bumpy. Uh, he, he dealt with Joe Judge and Jason Garrett and just shitty coaching situations. But it was ugly. Like There was no way to watch Daniel Jones play and go, this guy's ever going to be a solid quarterback. You could say the same thing for Alex Smith who dealt with Mike Nolan and Mike Singletary. And it wasn't until Jim Harbaugh who made him into just a real quarterback. And then Andy Reid turned him into a quarterback that like you could just consistently make the playoffs with. 
right? So people believed in him. And Brian Dayball immediately proved like he's a big time coach. Like I think Brian Dayball is the real deal. And I was watching him, I guess that would have been Friday or Saturday night. His coaching staff's fantastic. Hires Mike Kafka, who's been on Andy Reese staff forever. Hires Wink Martindale, who's clearly one of the better defensive coordinators in the league. And then I'm just watching Daniel Jones. I'm like, I remember when Harbaugh did this with Alex. He looks dramatically better. And part of making a quarterback look better when you've just kind of been in the mud and it's been ugly is doing a good job around him. And part of doing a good job around him, one, like, how do you handle weird situations? Saquon got weird fast. Started going on like business podcasts, talking shit. And then within a couple of weeks, they just agreed to a deal and he's all in and just everything's fine. They made a trade that, listen, Darren Waller, did he quit on the Raiders? It got weird. I, I don't really know, but he clearly looks fantastic for the Giants. And when Darren Waller was healthy and cared, he was an elite player. You can't cover him. He's tall. I mean, he's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He runs like a wide receiver and has incredible ball skills. Like he is a dominant tight end when healthy. Now, he hasn't been healthy in a while, but for the Giants, he's healthy right now. Looks fantastic. So you got Saquon, head on straight. You got Darren Waller, who's been in a weird space, really looks motivated. Clearly done a good uh, job drafting over the last couple of years, as well as just kind of a tough-minded operation. I thought the Giants, you know, I, I undervalued their talent last year, clearly, because when I get a good head coach, he gets my talent to overachieve. And then once you start getting more talented players in, once I get high-end guys to overachieve, we start winning big. Now, I don't think the Giants are going to win the NFC East. But I do wonder last year, when you think about it, they played the Eagles, they got their ass kicked, right? They were clearly the third best team in that division. They still might be the third best team in that division this year, but I do wonder if it looks a little bit different. I do wonder if it's a little more closely contested because if you go, Brian Dayball, if you just pulled around the league right now, Brian Dayball, I mean, is he a top 10 pick? In a weird way, and I don't know if this is fair or not because... Sirianni last year got to a Super Bowl, but I think he's he's got a lot to prove this year because it was like, well, his coordinators both got head coaching jobs and mainly his offensive coordinator. Now we'll see, right? Change the offensive coordinator if it's seamless. Like it's going to be hard to deny that Sirianni's clearly not doing something right. And it's not like Dayball's calling plays. Kafka was last year, but it does feel like Dayball is more highly thought of and definitely than McCarthy, which is kind of unfair too, because McCarthy's last couple of years just rattling off 12 wins with the Cowboys. But I, I do wonder, I don't just wonder, I kind of expect the Giants to not only be better, but just of those four games with the Cowboys and, and clearly the Eagles, for just to be a little tighter, for just to be a little closer. Because last year it was not. I mean, the Eagles beat the shit out of them. And if they get Waller going, if if Kayvon could take a step, uh, I, I do wonder if they're just a more formidable opponent this year. And they're a team that I've definitely higher on than I was probably six months ago because you just watch him. You go, Waller's the real deal when healthy. I think Daniel Jones is going to be better. And Dayball's just a stud. And I'm not saying Dayball is better than Sirianni. But my point is, that if you just pulled around the league, I think a lot of people would take Dayball. Fair or not. A lot of Sirianni's, a lot of pressure this year offensively, even though they have all the pieces and I don't know why they'd look any different. But if they don't, if they do, quote unquote, take a little bit of a step back, people will be like, oh, it was all Shane Steichen. Uh, so that's a talking point that we'll get into, I'm sure, as the season goes on. I expect the Eagles to be really good. I mean, I, I'm going to pick 
Eagles to win the division. I think. I mean, I think them and the Cowboys are are pretty damn close. But if those are two 13, 14 win teams, like I think the Giants might be more of a real 11 win team than like the nine and 18 than they were last year. The hype on these college quarterbacks, man. I saw the All American team came out. Caleb was obviously, you know, first team All American. Drake May, second team All American. One thing football still really has that the other sports, I mean, baseball never really has, but when I was a kid, basketball, because college basketball wasn't just really big, it's all the star players went there for several years. So there weren't, Allen Iverson went for multiple seasons, Shaquille O'Neal went for multiple seasons. You got star players playing multiple seasons, and there was a buildup to their draft pick. Well, the NFL has always had that. Guys in college football become stars because you watch their careers multiple seasons. We watched Bryce Young two years ago beat Georgia in the SEC championship game and then give everything he had in the national championship game, and then he had to return to school. We watched Trevor Lawrence become a national championship champion as a freshman and then play two more seasons and same with all these other positions marvin harrison we've been watching him for a couple years now all these players who are stars in college we get to just kind of know them over the course of their career and it helps us not only just be interested in college football but once they get to the nfl they're really famous we've been talking about Tua since he was like 19 years old most of the star rookies we've known even some of the random guys right Aiden O'Connell right now is having a lot of success. Well, if you're a Michigan, Ohio State, or Wisconsin fan, you've seen him play over the last couple of years. You watch a lot of Big Ten football. Brock Purdy, he wasn't just some fucking nobody. We all had watched Iowa State play a game or two over the years, right? So if you start for multiple seasons in college football and you're a good player, we keep an eye on you. When you become a rock star Heisman Trophy guy, you become like fringe NFL famous. And Caleb Williams, because of the hype on this player, you know, he's like in the Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck category. Now, I think depending on who you talk to, Drake May, you know, is he a clear number two? Is he a 1A, 1B? I don't know. That's what's fun about college football. Like, we're going to get to watch him this year. Last year, he went 38 and seven. In North Carolina, couldn't stop me or you, that they were terrible on defense. But not only was he clearly awesome, this offseason, places like Alabama offered him $5 million to come play. Nick Saban, I don't know if he directly called him, but it was clearly on the table, and he said no. Caleb Williams clearly was worth a shitload of money when Lincoln left and USC paid him to come over. Now, you could say he was going to fall him no matter what. Would he have? If the money wasn't there, his value was really high. So you get both these guys who combined for almost, I mean, 80 touchdowns. I mean, their they're stats. Caleb threw 42, May threw 38, Caleb had five interceptions, May had seven interceptions. Like, these guys are studs. I can't wait to watch them play. And I think the coolest part about this year with college football is the depth of quarterback play. Obviously, the high end with Caleb, super hype guy. I think Drake May isn't quite that, but he's not far behind. And then you have this group of just quarterbacks all over the country. Michael Penix, Bo Nix. The Hartman, the transfer from Wake Forest to Notre Dame. Like you have legitimate names at quarterback that were like, how many guys are going to go in the first round? Now, you never know. And anytime a first round hype, you know, builds up before a season, it never turns out that way. And just because a lot of guys end up going in the first round doesn't mean they become really good players. We just saw it a couple years ago. Zach Wilson, Trey Lance are backups going into their third season. But it does make this sport interesting.
And it really is, they're the star of the of the sport for a reason. High, highest paid, and just most important. Because if you have a good one, it changes your franchise. So Caleb Williams plays this weekend against San Jose State. I would expect USC to destroy him. And to me, the cool part about, obviously, Caleb is on a team that a lot of people think can win a national championship. Now, to me, the question with Lincoln is, offensively, he's elite. I mean, it doesn't get much better. There have been a short list of guys over the last couple decades that are on his level. Mike Leach taught him. Mike Leach was that guy. Could never get a defense. Chip Kelly could get a defense, came up a little short. His offense, to me, was always a little soft. Lincoln was always willing to go under center if he has to. There's a physical element to his run game that I never really saw with Chip Kelly when he was at Oregon. The question with Lincoln was defense. Could he get a good enough defense? Could he recruit SEC-level guys? Well, this offseason, they have. They've got a lot of transfers. The hype on this team, led by Caleb and him, the depth of this team, I can't wait to watch him play. I can't wait to watch this team compete to see if they can make it to the Final Four and just be in the mix. And Drake May, his team is not going to be that good. But like they're a top 20 team. They're a team that should win eight or nine games. Going to play in a ton of marquee games. They open against South Carolina that ended their season last year. I'm pretty sure they beat Clemson in their last regular season game. Pretty sure they won a big bowl game. Like South Carolina's got a lot of momentum. Shane Beamer's kid is the, uh, I think his name is Shane Beamer. What was uh, what was Be- Frank Beamer? It's Frank Beamer's the dad, Shane Beamer's the son. But I'm just, I think the college quarterback play this season should be awesome. I mean, the the sport has never had, it feels like going into a season, more teams at the high end. Like You could argue 10 Power 5 teams could win the natty. I I talked to someone the other day that was like, Texas is stacked. Now, I'm not a huge Sark believer, but the Big 12 is going to be down. Uh, Now, can Sark, you know, to me, I think they play Alabama this year. You're allowed to lose that game, but Last year, he was losing to like random Big 12 teams. Two years ago, he lost to Kansas. But talent-wise, from what I've been told, it's big time. They got first-rounders everywhere. They got a lot of firepower. And Oklahoma's clearly down. So no excuses. Obviously, in the SEC, you got Georgia, Bama, LSU, Clemson. Florida State's going to be really good. Michigan, Ohio State. USC. I think Washington's going to be really good. Oregon. College football, man. I can't wait. Hey, let's dive into a little mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the pod. We'll start with Mike. Hey, John. With week one around the corner, I was hoping to hear your thoughts on this year's group of in the loaded AFC. Being a Bengals fan in Cali, I have a ton of friends that are Raider fans. They are all insistent they are easily a playoff team. I just don't see it. In the AFC, you have the Chiefs, Chargers, Bengals, Jags, Bills, Dolphins, who all feel like playoff locks. I don't know about the Dolphins, but I agree with you on the other ones. That gives you one wild card left for the Jets, Steelers, Ravens, Browns, Titans. I just don't see the Raiders. I think the I think the Steelers are going to make the playoffs. So it, it you know the Chiefs, the Steelers, the obviously the Bengals, the Bills, the Jags. Yeah, it's just. It's very, very difficult. I think the Raiders could be dramatically improved. You could win 10 games in the AFC and not make the playoffs. Remember a couple of years ago, you had to win 11? I, I, I would guess it would be that, right? To me, the Bengals, 
Steelers are both 12-plus win teams. Uh, easily, the Ravens could get back into that mix. I would say the Bills are going to be good. The Jets, I was going to pick them to win the division. Then you watch Hard Knocks. They can't block anybody. Uh, makes me nervous. Them or the Dolphins, probably one of those two teams is making the playoffs. Yeah, it's hard. So I, I would not pick the Raiders to make the playoffs, though I think I said this the other day on the podcast. I do think they could be dramatically better. And dramatically better could be nine wins, right? Still have some flaws. I, I don't know how good their defense is, but uh, I, I'm with you. I, I would feel pretty good. I mean, if you're a Chiefs, Bengals, or Charger fan, excuse me. If you're a Chiefs, Bengals, or Bills fan, you feel like it's a lock. Jags fan, I think, are going to start feeling like we're just a lock every year if they make it this year. The Chargers should make it. Same with the Steelers. Yeah, it's just, it's hard. I mean, are the Browns going to suck? They're paying a quarterback $700 million. So, a lot of moving parts, for sure. Using my wife's Instagram. Join the Bald Brotherhood this weekend. Love the look. Happy I did it. It was needed. I feel you, dog. Do you have any tips on new members? I'm finding that I probably don't know basics like shampoo, what to use to shave daily maintenance. Also, need to add Bald Brotherhood to the merch. Love the pot. Agreed. I would say a couple things. My head, after probably a couple months of shaving, I don't use a mirror or anything, so I shave in the shower. And it took a while to get pretty used to it. Now, one thing you got to do is I treat my head, right? The top of my head surrounding my head like I do my face. So I don't use any shampoo. I don't have any hair. I just use face wash all over my head. Now, the key is when you shave your head like your face, I have sensitive skin. I I don't know if it's the right way to put it, but I definitely get skin that gets dry fast because it gets, it can get oily. Then you wipe it off and it can get dry. I have to moisturize. So right after I shave my head, I I use a lot of lotion and I just use like Luberderm, you know, no scent lotion, but, and I use it all over my face. Like I would on my, my cheeks as I do on the back of my head. So basically your head all becomes one, right? You know, when you lotion your body, it's all just one motion. Like you don't think any different of your shoulder as you do your knee or your calf as your back, right? You just rub lotion. I treat my face like that. Same with washing it. No shampoo. And this is me. I mean, all of our skin types are different, but I I haven't used shampoo in 10 years. Welcome to the club, man. You can't have the cul-de-sac these days. My dad could pull it off in like the 80s. It's like you can't be a guy in your 20s or 30s rocking a cul-de-sac. Those days are dead. This is a good 49ers question. Why do you think the media does not make fun of the 49ers when at the end they have the same number of winning Super Bowls as the Cowboys? Bottom line, if you don't win, it doesn't count. Yeah, I don't agree with that, right? There, there is a small percentage of teams in all the sports that can be like Super Bowl, World Series, NBA Finals, Championship, or bust. If you're getting to the Final Four or the cha- like, the Eagles had an incredible season last year. I don't care what you say. They had a fucking unreal year. The Chiefs have really, the last couple of years, been the only Super Bowl or bust team. The Bills, their problem was not that they lost in the playoffs. It was they got worked in the second round. If the Chiefs had got, or the Bills had lost to the Chiefs on the road in the AFC Championship game, it wouldn't have, it would have sucked, but it still would have been an awesome year, 
right? The Bengals had an awesome year. The Cowboys have not been to the conference championship game since I was in middle school. I'm a bald 38-year-old. So yeah, the 49ers have not won a Super Bowl since 1994. They've been to six conference championship games since 2011. Right? Six. So I I don't know, man. Like, was the Harbaugh era not successful? Like, how, how many teams in college football this year can be championship or bust? USC can't. Michigan can't. Like, if Michigan wins a playoff game and gets to the championship and loses, it's a big deal. If LSU gets to the Final Four, Brian Kelly, and loses, like, that's a that's an accomplishment. I, I'm sorry. Like, I don't view it... Like, getting to the playoffs for some franchises is a really big deal. If the Jets make the playoffs this year, it was a success. Major success. Last year, I saw it with the Sacramento Kings. They had gone well over a decade without making the playoffs. They host the Warriors as the number three. The Warriors are the six, and they lose. They had a very, very successful year. This is not, most people are not Tiger Woods or Tom Brady or Roger Federer, right? It's not like win the championship or else. If Josh Allen got to a Super Bowl and lost, I'm sorry, that's a successful year. It is. Joe Burrow a couple years ago gets the Super Bowl and loses. That's very successful. The Cowboys get made fun of. One, they're the biggest brand in the NFL. And they haven't even been to the conference championship game in 25 years. If the Dallas Cowboys this season get to the conference championship game and lose the Eagles or lose to the 49ers, yes, it would be very disappointing. That would be a successful year. They've done something they haven't done in 25 years. If the Cowboys were to make the Super Bowl and lose, I'm sorry. It's not like, well, there's only one winner. Well, yeah, they didn't win the Super Bowl. It's a fucking awesome year. Like, ultimately, this is a business. And the business, like, you still get paid if you have success in the playoffs and don't win at all. Right? If you make it to the Final Four in basketball, like, that's success. What San Diego State did last year, getting their worked in the championship by UConn, was the greatest moment in the history of the school. Now, obviously, it's different in college and the pros, but ultimately, my point is, just get to the conference championship game. I just got done listening to MMQB podcast, and Connor decided to be a free agent fan. Personally, what is your favorite team? And if you had to choose again, would you have a new favorite team? I'm a Rams fan because they weren't with me in St. Louis. However, if I had to choose again, I would be a Jets fan because I lived in Long Island for a while back in Chad Pennington days. I may be a fan of shitty teams, LOL. I grew up, I was a diehard 49er fan. I love the 49ers more than anything. Since I've been doing this, like I still root for them and watch them, but it's not nearly the same. My fandom is just so different. Like I have, I have another podcast, we talk a lot about the 49ers. I want them to win because I make more money. My relationship is just different. Now, when I watch them, I'm rooting for them to win. It's still, it's, I'd say the last couple of years, it's come back a little bit, but it's not nearly the same as when I was a kid. My, my fan days are just way different now. Like I get a lot of joy rooting against the Lakers, right? Like I, I get a lot of joy rooting against, uh, I don't even know, I guess just the Lakers. They're the only team that I really kind of don't like. I root for the Chiefs. Honestly, the way in football, like I just root for a lot of guys I know. Like I bet a lot of 49er fans are rooting against the Eagles. Like, I like the Eagles. I got a lot of friends on the staff. I can text their GM. He'll text me right back. Like that's, it's kind of unique, right? I mean, people I know for different teams, like I root for, 
I want to see guys I know in the league have success. So it's just my fan days are just a lot different. Now, I'd be lying if like the 49ers don't do fun shit. I'm not like excited, but it's a lot different than once I started working in this business. It's just not quite the same. You know, Cam Hayward came on this podcast. If I shot him a DM, he'd DM me right back. Like, I'd be lying to you if I'm not going to say like I'm rooting for them to have success. I want to see him do well. Uh, I, I root for anyone. If I meet you and you're either a professional athlete, you're a coach, and I like you, like I'm, I'm going to root for you. That's just the way I'm kind of wired. I think it's a lot of the way we're wired. Like when we're young, we root for people from our home area, right? Like think of people where you grew up. If you knew anyone that made the big leagues or the NBA, like you just kind of rooted for those guys. Like when I was a kid, Woodland, California is right around the corner from where I grew up. Dustin Pedroia was from there. The Red Sox, like I always rooted for Dustin Pedroia. I didn't know the guy. I never met him. And then when I got associated with Fresno State, like anyone I'd meet through Fresno State, I just kind of rooted for in any sport, whether it was professional baseball, basketball. And I'm kind of still like that. I just root for people that I know or kind of like. So my, like when I was a true fan, like I didn't operate like that. It was my team or else. And that's where it's kind of changed a lot. Uh, I still relate like uh, most of my friends, at least from, you know, California are definitely 49er fans. So I like seeing them have joy. It's just, it's just not quite the same. I guess you would call me a 49er fan, but I, most of you guys are probably more diehard in terms of your parameters around it. When you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, hey, John, question for the pod. Any sleeper defenses this year? It's a good question. I wonder if the Lions could be pretty good on defense. I mean, their D-line should be pretty good. Their linebacker play could be improved. Secondary is definitely up in the air, but I wonder if the Lions, you could watch the Lions and be like, damn, the Vikings were so terrible last year, you would think they would be improved. I, I haven't really gone like roster to roster from a from an offensive-defensive perspective besides just like big-picture topics than like specific defenses that come to my mind. In theory, the Chargers, right? Joey's healthy, Khalil's healthy, JC Jackson's healthy. They, they did Derwin James. They had stretches last year where they were one of the better defenses. 
Do you think Lincoln Riley will typically have the best quarterback to turn pro in each draft if his quarterbacks are eligible? Outside of Baker, he seems to be on that trajectory. If you were a GM and you needed a quarterback, would you prefer to draft one under Lincoln Riley tree instead of any other college coach? I don't think you really think about it like that. Uh, obviously, if you're comfortable with the coach, right, you, you feel good about, but you got to feel good about the player. So if you watch Drake May, let's say if I'm just an evaluator or Bo Nix or whoever, Michael Penix, what if I don't know their coordinator that well or know anything about the coaching staff if I'm a GM? Like I don't have a personal relationship with them, but I love the player. It doesn't necessarily matter that whoever the head coach is, Kalen Dubor at Washington, who is good, but I'm saying if I don't know anything about him, it's not, I'm not going to be inclined to be like gravitate away from him or toward him. If I like the player, I like the player. Now, I hear what you're saying. Most of the guys that he's had beside Jalen, like Baker went one, Kyler went one, Caleb is going to go one. So unless you have the number one pick, you're not getting Lincoln's quarterbacks. You're more likely to get all these other quarterbacks throughout the country that go in the middle rounds. Like, can I get a guy in the second round from Coach X, right? I hear what you're saying. The problem, though, I, I do think it gets back to, okay, let's just say I'll draft Lincoln's quarterback. Most of them, if he's good, is going to go really high, clearly. He said, this is going to be his third number one overall pick. Think about that. Third number one overall pick in not that long. And if you give him Jalen, if you could do that one over, he sure as hell wouldn't have gone in the second round. So I, I don't think you can really do that. I think it's easier to do it with other positions. With quarterback, it's like, is it going to translate to your offense? Because most people aren't going to run Lincoln's offense, right? Whoever drafts Caleb is probably not going to run Lincoln Riley's offense. In all seriousness, why does Brian Hoyer still have a job? Every time I've seen him come into a game the last five years, it's an absolute disaster. What's the role of a quarterback two or three during camp in the season? Well, we talk about this a lot with backup quarterbacks. A lot of teams, and this gets back to what Tom Moore said with Peyton Manning, right? Why doesn't any of the backup quarterbacks get any of the reps? Why does Peyton get them all? Because if Peyton goes down, we're fucked, and we don't practice fucked. There's a reason you give Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. You go through the top 15 quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, you name it. They're getting all the reps at practice. If they go down, now, ideally, you have Brock Purdy behind there, or Cooper Rush, or a guy that you can keep winning if you're a good team, right? But like, it, I'll ask you if you're an Eagle fan. Do you think you could win with Marcus Mariota? Because I, I don't know. I actually don't think you could. Definitely, you might be able to win a game, but if Jalen was out a month, you could easily have a one in three month because Marcus Mariota does not look good, but he's not alone. Like you said, Hoyer, Matt Barkley, all these quarterbacks, most backup quarterbacks, their main job is actually closer to a coach than it is a player. One, they service the defense during practice. And two, they're there to support the coaching staff slash starter in game plan. Help them out. Be like a shoulder to lean on. It's almost like having an assistant. Right. The difference is, is if like a CEO has an assistant that he relies on, and I've seen it in football, right? The head coach has a personal assistant that that guy does a lot for him. But if the head coach were to go down, the personal assistant does not become the head coach, right? A coordinator does. If a CEO were to go down, his assistant, him or her, would not then take over for the CEO like the CFO would. Where at football, this guy has a role of an assistant toward the quarterback coach, coordinator, and 
and starting quarterback. But if that quarterback goes down, that number two quarterback has to play. And as we see over and over and over again, if it's not like a drafted player, if it's a guy like Brian Hoyer, if it's Chase Daniel, who all these teams like, like they really like the person. They love him being around because coaches spend a lot of time with him. You need your quarterback to be happy. But if the guy has to play, you're screwed. That's why everyone got so excited when Chad Henney had success from the Chiefs, right? It, it was a cool moment. So I don't really know what to say beside it's a strong balance of there are only so many really good people that are also really good backups, right? Most backups are just bad. Tough, tough job, man. Really is. This guy forwarded me a video of Tyreek talking at practice saying the way that he gets ready for a game is he plays Madden and the ratings on the DBs, speed, awareness, ball skills he uses in the games. And the question is, do you think he really doesn't watch film or is he just trying to game something on young NFL players? I think he's somewhat joking, right? This isn't totally serious because even if you don't watch film on your own the majority of your week in the facility wednesday thursday and friday are not you only practice a couple hours a day you're you're there six seven eight hours meeting rooms you're watching film with your position coach so you know the strengths and weaknesses on the dbs on the linebackers and on the safeties through watching them with your offensive coordinator and the wide receiver coach so Tyreek saying he does this, and I, but he probably does. He is still watching film on the opponent with the coaching staff and his wide receiver unit throughout the week. He's also kind of rare because he's just a freak. What's up, Middlecoff? Big fan of the show. Saw this and reminded me when you were talking about the players in the NFL gambling. You are 100% right. These gambling companies don't play and they will snitch on anyone, no matter what they say is trustworthy. So this was West Ham shirt sponsor identified the suspicious bets on Lucas Paquita. So something happened in soccer. Yeah, I mean, it's just pretty simple. They they will turn people in. These gambling companies are being, they're cool with being, opening their books and being regulated and monitored by the government. They're in cahoots with the governments. They want to be above board. So they have no problem being completely transparent, right? It's why sometimes you butt heads, the government with the Googles, the Facebooks, the whoever's. They're like, what? We don't even fucking need the government. Where clearly at any moment and for a long period of time, this shit was not legal. So these players have to be cognizant of the fact, and they're clearly, I bet every team has talked about this nonstop at training camp in the NFL and definitely in college. If you bet, you will go down 100%. They will catch you. You cannot avoid it. They are paying a lot of people, I'm sure, and people listening to this, if you work for one of these companies, I'm sure you have staff members that just monitor this. You want to turn them in because it makes you look good, as crazy as that sounds. Big Steeler fan, so partially biased, but... Nobody seems to be giving them a chance this season. They get no national coverage at all. Look at what this team has done in the draft and in the offseason. Watch the tape. They've added serious talent on each side of the ball. The depth, weapons, Kenny coming off a second half where he went 7-2. and two. 
I think they're going to make some noise this year and have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs. Hell, maybe even win the division. It's almost five to one. Just wanted your thoughts on the team. I talked about this yesterday. I'm bullish. I, I, I think they have a very good chance to win the division. And if they don't win the division, I think they're a playoff team. I think the Steelers are going to the playoffs. Right now, that's one of my favorite picks of the year. Steelers, playoffs. I mean, shit, they were right there last year. But the only thing is, you know, it's hard in the AFC. But I'm picking them. I think they make the playoffs. Week one, I've said it over and over. I think it's the best Sunday week one game. Thursday is going to be awesome. Monday night is going to be awesome. Sunday, that's the game. Steelers, Niners. I think a lot of the Sharps are going to take the Steelers plus the points. When it comes to Tomlin and the Steelers, they seem to get no love. The national media, a lot. Of, you guys, here's what I don't understand. This is where I, my separation between fandom because I do this. Like I, who and listen, I guess was I like this when I was 18. The game's changed a lot in the last 20 years. Who gives a shit if people are talking about you or not? You know you're good. You're the fucking Steelers. I understand when you're like the little engine that could. If you're like the Tampa Bay Rays and no one talking about you, but you, you're one of the most important, iconic successful brands in the most important league. You matter. You matter a lot. So whether they open up with you on first take or coward, why does it, it does not matter. Who cares? Do not worry about people talking about you. You win games, they're going to talk about you. Like I said, I said this yesterday, you haven't won a playoff game since the 2016 season. So what are they supposed to do? And part of it is like, part of this question is Lamar's losing record against the Steelers during the time when Tyler, when Tomlin was dealing with quarterbacks. Lamar is just more of a story. The contract holdouts, the drama. You got Burrow, who's a superstar, like Watson, 230 million. Like they're just crazy, more polarizing topics. It doesn't mean those teams are going to be better than you this upcoming season. But in the offseason, we just, what, what's there to say about the Steelers? Like, watch out. Like, what? Kenny Pickett is going to be better. Like, well, there's not, you don't have like the juicy conversations. It's easy to talk about Trey Lance or Zach Wilson last year. Like, is Mike McCarthy going to get fired? Mike Tomlin's not going anywhere. You guys are going to play defense. Kenny Pickett takes a step. Like, your conversation, I listen, this is a good thing, are just not crazy enough right now. Which, if I was an NFL fan, that's the way I would like it. Like, we're just slow, steady. We're going to be there. Our defense is really good. Let's fucking play some football. Like the Jets are shouldn't be as good as you, but they are more interesting right now. They they just are. And ultimately, we're kind of in the interesting business. From a content standpoint, will you be doing season predictions, division winners, playoff teams, awards, championship games, and Super Bowls? I definitely will do, yeah. I mean, probably. I'm sure I will. I'll I'll definitely pick the divisions, uh, maybe pick Super Bowl teams, awards. I mean. There's like five guys who could win the MVP, right? One of the five quarterbacks. <laughs> this, this isn't that, you know, Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, if Jalen, Lamar. I mean, it's, short, it's a quarterback award now. What's it going to take for another position player to win it? It feels like impossible. J.J. Watt didn't win it years ago. Like, I don't think anyone else can win it. So it's just going to be one of the quarterbacks. I haven't really thought about the other ones. Comeback player of the award, defensive player of the year award, even defensive player of the year award. Like, let's face it. Is that like a list of five guys? Bosa, TJ, Micah. I mean, if Chris Jones is healthy, maybe a corner, but what would it take for a corner to win it? Like Patrick Sertan, 15 picks or something? 
That sounds outrageous when it came out of my mouth. Last question. Love football, but haven't played since middle school. You know what was funny? I was walking. I was at home a couple weeks ago when I went to Lake Tahoe and I stayed at my mom's house and I was going for a walk and I realized I haven't, I, I, the fall of 2003 is when I went to college. So 20 years ago, I went off to college. That means I haven't played. I, last time I ever played football was in high school, 21 years. And I loved, I was not a very good player, but I loved playing high school football with all my friends. It was awesome. I mean, I, anyone that played high school football, I think would agree. That's a long time ago. Just kind of got nostalgic about on um, this walk in my hometown. Anyone listening to this right now still playing high school football or college football? Fucking enjoy it because all of a sudden you'll be looking 20 years have gone by. You're like, holy shit, I'm getting old. A question that I've always had is how do college scouts determine which position a high school standout should be recruited for? It seems that amazing high school athletes play both sides of the ball, O-line and D-line, wide receiver, DB, running back, linebacker, etc. What determines if you recruit a stud high school lineman to play O-line or D-line? Well, like when I was at Fresno State, like you said, most of the top players play both ways. Now, it depends. Some guys don't, right? A quarterback might not. But a lot of, and I would say, depending on the high school, some running backs don't. But a lot of linemen, if you're the star offensive tackle, you also play defensive line. Uh, if you're the star linebacker, you probably play tight end or whatever. I think it's pretty clear at the highest level, like Division One football, what you're best at. And then if you have any question marks, you recruit the player, you meet the player, you deal with the coaches, and you kind of feel it out from there. So it's just a process. Um, I, I think if I remember correctly, when I was at Fresno State, it was pretty clear the guy's standout position, right? And I think wide receiver, DB, sometimes you want the guy to play DB and he loves playing wide receiver because scoring touchdowns is more fun than chasing the guy around. But you try to convince him. And they're always, let's face it, sometimes you recruit a guy, you go, you could play O-line or D-line. You could be an, we'll recruit you as an athlete. We'll see if you play wide receiver or DB. But usually the head coach has an idea. And then maybe it changes as he gets to camp and, and practice. But I think at the highest level, it, it kind of sorts itself out in college and some, or excuse me, in high school. <clears throat> and some of the guys that don't, the coach has an idea, but he's willing to see which way it looks once he gets to school. And now with the ability to transfer, like, if you accept playing a position, right? If you go, I'm a guard, but I want to play D-line and they force me to play guard, you can always transfer. Appreciate everyone. We'll win on that one. That's a good question. I don't think there's a right or wrong way if it's really close, but most guys that are, you know, I would say anywhere from like Mountain West, ACC to the Power Five have pretty well established. And, and, and depending on the school, you throw out the athlete, but I think the linemen usually determine, right? There are only so many guys like Miles Jack. I remember when he went to UCLA, he could play linebacker and running back. You usually got to pick one at the, at the highest level of college football. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a great day. We will talk soon. Fire in those DMs at John Middlecoff. <laughs>
Volume. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.